the pandemic, social unrest, the state house, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Well, folks, it is the day after. It is, uh, I have to admit, like many of you, today it, it feels odd. It is Thursday. It is January 21st. And Joe Biden is the president. That is the way it is. I know many people were telling me this day would never come. Uh, it has set in, and it's something that we have to get used to. Um, and, and again, I'm not in any way trying to erase the past. I'm just as upset as many of you are. But so many people I've been saying, um, you know, Governor Abundo is being vetted for such and such position. And many of you would respond and say, no, she's not, because Biden's never going to be president. Well, it happened. And I'm not going to I, I want to be very clear. I'm not going to do I told you so. I'm not. And there's so many of you that I've, I've gotten messages from, and how can you say that? And people insisting since early November that President Trump will be president for four more years. Biden's never going to be president. Well, he is. And the sun came up. And, it, folks, it's something we have to deal with. I think what has to happen is there has to be a constructive way to take all the energy and all the enthusiasm and all the organization and put it to something positive because otherwise if it starts to diminish or go into different directions that are not constructive then this form of government the way it is which is right now they are controlling everything they control the house they control the white house they control the senate as many of you know this it doesn't matter there's no you need balance you know there's supposed to be checks and balances yesterday uh president biden I mean, that's what he is. He uh, he came into office and right away, boom, 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 just started reversing everything. And something that we certainly have to be concerned about are the whole situation with the amount of uh, illegals that want to come in, that they, uh, the Democrats, obviously, led by uh, Congressional District 1, CD1 Congressman David Cicilline, wants them all to become citizens and to be able to vote. Why? Because they're very confident. They think that they will then just vote the way they want them to vote. And the vote is something that needs to be examined. And the vote has been a problem. And the voting list is a problem. And unless it's corrected, I think what the, the Republican Party, and especially in our area, really has to do, <clears throat> if nothing is corrected, folks, that's the definition of insanity, right? Definition of insanity is you do the same thing over and over, but you expect different results. Now, so far, we're not hearing anything. And because of what happened on January 6th, people are, you know, I think people are reluctant to say anything. But hopefully we need to move beyond that. Now we have to wait and see what happens in the in the uh, in the Senate and whether or not they want to move ahead with an impeachment trial against President Trump. If they do so, I think they do at their own peril. Let's hope they do not. Let's hope that whether it's Mitch McConnell or others, that they get a chance to cool down. And now that President Trump is out of Washington, he's not in Washington. I think he should lie low and not give them anything to go after him on and, and let them see what it's like under uh, President Biden. Because I do believe that the left and the progressives and the squad and that whole crew, let them fight amongst themselves and then, you know, let it, it, it is, I think President Biden's going to feel the need to go very left. And, but all this does is it should distinguish people between the two parties. You know, I've always tried to be an independent voter, but like many of you in the past, and I would think of myself as an independent voter, I was the independent man. But the past couple of years, the Democrat Party, especially in our area, is one of, of corruption, never mind now. They, they placate the left, the progressives. Their ideas are so, you know, redistribution of wealth. Uh, they, they also obviously want to defund the police. Everybody in their mind is a white supremacist and a racist. Like we have to move past that 
we have to move the conversation away. I don't know how many more times they can keep saying that. But what's interesting is in certain pockets of the country, yesterday there was still huge protests. Seattle, Portland, Seattle, very destructive. It's never enough. It's never enough with that crowd, once you realize. So, all right, big day. Uh, obviously, because of a COVID briefing coming up, leave it right here. This is the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time full-time, maybe weekend work, you need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508 508- 336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil, make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history, and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass., it's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200. This winter, I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. Folks, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Joining me right now, he is uh, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. He is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, um, let's start off with uh, last night, uh, I I should say, the president's final day in office and day before, there was a a flurry of parts. And there's a lot of, um, I think, misconceptions about it. Um, If we could touch on that and also any surprises on there was talk, people thought that he was going to pardon himself and maybe even some of the, the first family. Apparently that has not happened. But let's start off with some of these presidential pardons. Yes, every president... At the end of his his administration, um, typically there's a flurry of um, pardons for many times it's politically uh, influential people, friends of the president, um, and other um, 
notorious for a variety of reasons individuals. Um, if you recall, Bill Clinton uh, pardoned Mark Rich at the time was very controversial because of yeah. his background. I think Nixon, I believe, uh, pardoned B.B. Rebozo, one of his cronies from California, who was as corrupt as they come. Every president at the end of his term um, has any time during the term, but typically they do it at the end because there's less political fallout because they're on the way out the door. Uh, the president, the, the main players that have raised the hackles of the media, uh, he uh, pardoned um, Steve Bannon. Bannon was accused um, of soliciting money from ostensibly Trump supporters to help fund the wall. And the money was diverted and used by uh, Steve Bannon and his partners for personal expenses where they had assured contributors that no fees, no monies would be taken for administrative costs and the like. Um, he pardoned Jared uh, Kushner's dad, who has had a criminal background. He pardoned a few um, relatively high-profile pro uh, Republican politicians who got jammed up criminally. He also... Um, um, Sought, saw fit to pardon uh, Kwame Kilpatrick, the former mayor of uh, Detroit, who was a Democrat who was involved in corruption. So he just didn't pardon Republican operatives. He did um, pardon a number of uh, Democrats. A number of folks that he pardoned were people that none of us would have ever heard of, but they're high-profile people in the criminal justice world, and they were people who were part of his... Um, you know, criminal justice reform initiative. So some of the people who didn't get pardoned early on, some of those who would go on the, the media circuit uh, extolling the president's praises for his prison reform initiative, a lot of the folks who were pardoned now were folks who were caught up in excessive prison sentences, mostly for drug-related offenses. And many people who we would never know who they are were pardoned because they were fall, fell under the rubric of um, the prison reform initiative. The only other person who was somewhat high, high profile was Lil Wayne, the rapper, um, who was involved in some gun charges down, I believe it was in Florida. And he was a big supporter of the president during the um, 2020 campaign. <coughs> yeah. I, think, I think the president was impressed by his advocacy and that advocacy was largely based upon the prison reform initiative. A guy like Lil Wayne, who's had contacts with the criminal justice system and effects that it disproportionately seems to have on the minority community, was way out front, um, much to the chagrin of folks within that world, um, supporting the president, saying, no, he's doing the right thing on prison reform. And I think the president appreciated that endorsement and that support, and he returned the favor by uh, giving Lil Wayne a pardon. Um, every president does it. I mean, I, I think this president, no matter who he pardoned and what he chose to do, was going to get um, excoriated by the media. Um, Steve Bannon, John, is particularly controversial because Bannon had yet to be prosecuted. Typically, folks who are pardoned or many folks who get pardoned have either completed their prison sentence and are looking to have their criminal record cleared or people who have been in prison for an excessive period of time. And, you know, the president might say, well, this guy caught a 50 year sentence. That's unreasonable. He's already done 20. Let's let him out. Things like that. Bannon's case, they had not even had a fair opportunity, the prosecutors, to really dig in for more discovery. Right. So we'll never know the extent of whatever corrupt activity may or may not have been occurring with this, um, you know, scheme to, to solicit funds to build the wall. And apparently none of the money was used to build the wall. But... Um, Will this be remembered for long by the media? Uh, probably not. If the president chose to run for office again, would it be ammunition for his opponents? Most definitely. Mm. And folks, just so people understand, and again, we're speaking with Attorney Tim Dodd, 
Uh, some of the high profiles was Andrew Johnson's pardon of Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy. That's one of the, if not the most controversial. And then, of course, Tim, you mentioned Ford's pardon of Nixon. But at the same time, Nixon commuted the sentence of Hoffa, which was <laughs> convicted for pension fraud. So as much as they're drawing a lot of attention to the Steve Bannon thing, these it, it, it George Washington did it. I mean, it's just an act that. It's, it's as if the other side, they, they lose their memory that, that presidents have, have done this from the beginning. Every single one of them. Every single yeah. one. And, and Tim Dodd, also, the thing about Bannon is, you know, last time we had heard was, if you remember, they, they got him on that huge yacht off of uh, Fisher's Island, I think, uh, you know, off the Hamptons. And, and I was thinking it was on the yacht of that billionaire, uh, Chinese billionaire, and, and he was looking at some some serious time. I also think it's interesting that Bannon was not alone. He had a co-conspirator, but Tim Dodd, I, I think Bannon, it's like he, so he gets off scot-free. So do they, they drop, the, there will be no court. There's no charges. The, the charges that were pending against Bannon, that whole investigation goes away. But the guy with him, I would, he's still jammed up, right? He's still jammed up. Exactly. Yeah. The, mm. the other thing, John, is a president can, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, only um, pardon or commute um, situations where there are federal offenses involved. They right. can't pardon for state offenses. So the, okay. the classic case with this administration would be a guy like Paul Manafort. If, yes. if the president chose to pardon Manafort, that would get him off the hook for his uh, federal uh, criminal sentencing. But to the extent that he was also sentenced, I believe, by a state court out of New York, uh, the president could not do anything to disturb the um, effect of a state criminal sentence or a state mm. prosecution. I believe it's only for a federal prosecution. You think of Gerald Ford after he pardoned President Nixon, I, his approval rating, I think, in one week dropped either 20 to 25 points. And he, he never recovered from that when he uh, went for reelection in, in 1976 on the loss of Jimmy Carter. Folks, we're speaking with um, our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. And, and Tim, the, um, the, the big question now is, is what exactly is going to happen with the president? I, I think that Mitch McConnell taking to the floor of the Senate <clears throat> and saying that they, this that crowd was fed a lie and that it was the president that summoned them there. Now, I, I, I don't agree with all that because from what we understand, if you look at the timeline, there were people already breaching the Capitol and trying to while the president was still giving his speech. But, you know, nevertheless, where does this stand that now this could move into an impeachment trial in the Senate? Or it, it, there's so many threads to this, but yeah. I, I think you are correct that there were people who came there who weren't, were not necessarily Trump supporters, no. um, who were loaded for bear and looking for yep. trouble. You yeah. had BLM people there amongst the leaders yep. of this. You had uh, some of the Proud Boys were there. They were, they were ready for action. You had another group called the Oath Keepers, who are a really yeah. right-wing group. They're, they're, not, yeah. they're not necessarily Trump supporters. They're just... Um, they're more gun people. Same thing with the three percenters. Yes. So they went so. with an agenda. They went with weapons. They went with plans. They went with... Um, you know, they, they were in close communication with their um, co-conspirators, if you will, um, they had a game plan. Some groups wanted to, um, I guess, kidnap whatever Congress people they could or do them harm or threaten them. There were different groups with different agendas. And that those agendas were not necessarily to um, voice their opinion to uh, the senators that they should not um, um, recognize the electoral electoral um, results from the electoral Congress. So to say that the president spontaneously spurred this crowd into now what's being called a quote unquote insurrection, which I think is a mislabeling of what occurred. 
um, you can't put it all on the president. I think it's, I think I've said last time last we spoke, if the president had said, "Thanks for all coming down here and have a nice day." Period. Have a nice day. There was still going to be trouble. They were still going to storm the barricades. They were still going to try to breach the doors and the windows and get in there because there were groups with an agenda that had nothing to do with what the president said or what the president hoped to accomplish that day. They had their own agenda and they were going to do whatever they needed to do. Maybe the president gave them a pretext, but he did not spur necessarily these groups that came with a premeditated plan that they were going to do something and they were going to get inside the Capitol. Um, Now, the House of Representatives, in my view, rushed to judgment without hearing any evidence, not taking any testimony, um, not even properly articulating what the impeachable offense was. They just wanted to get a second impeachment on the record while this president was still in office so that they could crow that, you know, he's the only president who's been impeached twice. But they've got their political impeachment. The first one was a political impeachment because clearly that conversation, whatever it was or wasn't with um, Ukraine, was never impeachable. That was largely led by um, Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi because they wanted a political impeachment before the 2020 election. In my view, it had nothing to do with the merits of the accusations. But now it goes to the Senate. The Senate prosecutes the case as a trial, and the senators sit as the jurors, and the House sends over a team in part, and I believe it's from the House, to be the prosecutors and to present the case to impeach, excuse me, to convict following an impeachment in the House, for the Senate to convict, which would remove a president from office, you need a two-thirds majority. I don't think that's obviously the end game with this because the president is already out. So you can't remove a guy that's not president anymore. But I think they would like to get a, again, a political conviction so that he'd go down in the history books as the only president ever convicted um, for an impeachable offense. I don't think you would get two, two thirds at this point of the Senate to vote to convict. I don't see what's in it politically for any of the Republicans to now pile on and move to convict a president, which is still popular, who, who is still popular with half the country. I think any senator who chooses to co- vote to convict is guaranteeing themselves a, um, a primary for sure and probably right. lots of other political problems. But the conviction is not the only game that's being played. The Constitution does have language, which really has never been taken out for a full test drive, that the Senate has the ability on a two-thirds vote to convict and remove the president from office. There's also language that the um, the person who is being tried can also be disqualified from holding future federal office. And that's the name of the game here. I think that certainly the the left and the Democrats, uh, I'm not here to be a political analyst, but I think they still are very much afraid of this president, afraid of his base of support, and they want to stick a fork in him so he can never come back because right now I don't think many people would bet against at least the specter of Trump trying to make – if he could resurrect himself and, you know, kind of rehabilitate himself to make another run at 2024 because his agenda, if not his personality, is still very popular with a large segment of voters. But if they can get something where they have disqualified him from um, holding future federal office, that would kill the whole Trump, um, Trump train, the Trump agenda, whatever you want to call it. And the, right. the speculation, you could talk to as many uh, law professors as you want, and half will say they can't convict a guy who's not a, the president. They can only convict a guy and remove him if he is the president. Um, 
Law professors on the right will say it can't be done. Law professors on the left will say, sure, it can be done. The problem with the disqualification is that is seen by many to only need a majority of Senate votes, not a two-thirds. So could you get a few Republicans to go along with the Democrats to vote in such a manner that, the pre- that Mr. Trump would be disqualified from running for president in the future? Now, do they, get, do they peel off a few Republicans to do that? Certainly, um, the senator from Alaska has said, well, yes. I can't wait for this guy to get rid of him. Um, yep. You've got uh, now the Senate minority leader, um, who's been pretty strident, saying that he thinks there's impeachable conduct that went on. Um, That's right. You know, if they think that they can throw Trump under the bus and gain political points mm. in so doing, I'm sure most of them would... Um, do it in a heartbeat if they thought there was a political upside for them to vote that way, whether or not the, yeah. whether or not the facts warrant the impeachment or whether or not the facts warrant a conviction, because as we've discussed before in a court of law, this case would be thrown out very promptly, but this is not a yeah. court of law. This is a court of politicians who are doing whatever they think is in their best political interest, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more. Our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Remember, Preferred Towing and Recovery, they're located in Lincoln, and they service the entire state. Preferred is also female-owned and operated by Christine, along with her husband, Mark Labby. They specialize in towing, transport, asset recovery, repossessions, and private property towing services. You know, Mark has been doing repossessions for 30 years. He gets the job done safely, securely. Preferred towing. Call them today, 401-725-8500, 401-725-8500, or online at preferredrecovery.com, as well as Facebook, Preferred towing they can also you know they buy older vintage cars maybe it's from the 60s 70s maybe you have one it's been sitting in in your garage for who knows how long the last 15 years and you keep saying you know someday i'm going to restore that but how about instead call today 401-725-8500 call for a fair offer today it's preferred towing in recovery located in lincoln 401-725-8500 Again, they've been doing repossessions for 30 years. They'll get the job done safely, secured, safely and securely. Preferred towing, 401-725-8500 or online, preferredrecovery.com. They're also on Facebook. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I just want to once again revisit. So we uh, are, are we in uncharted territory with, I mean, President Trump has left office. And now this whole business of whether or not there's going to be a Senate trial um, I, I just get the feeling that Chuck Schumer and, and some of the, the others that they would like to go ahead. But how are we just is this an unknown of how long this thing could get tied up and in, in, in how long? Like, do they do they do it and then afterwards say it's unconstitutional or would they just try to move right ahead if Nancy Pelosi, you know, delivers the impeachment to the. the oh, Senate? I think they're going to do it. I think they're absolutely going to do it unless some court steps in, unless some uh, lawsuit is filed seeking injunctive relief or looking for um, a court to interpret the Constitution. Whenever there's a question of the constitutionality of something that's being done, you can seek your redress or your relief in the court. And the court would be asked to opine on what the language of the Constitution means as it relates to the ability to convict and remove from office somebody who who is already out of office. There are a handful of cases historically where um, individuals who have resigned from their position, um, the Senate has nonetheless attempted to have them convicted and quote unquote removed from office, even though they've left office. Most of those circumstances have um, ended without the full um, taking this to its full and logical conclusion. Very few cases have ever gone there. And the last one was probably back in the 1800s. So I think that this would wind up in the Supreme court eventually, but I think that, you know, 
from a political standpoint, the Democrats have the three branches of government. They haven't been subtle about what their agenda is. As Chuck Schumer said, first we take Georgia, then we take over the country. Um, I don't think they're being shy or, or, you know, trying to be cagey about what they're doing. It's in your face. So I think they've got every intention of holding a trial, convicting Donald Trump, and trying to throw in there for extra measure that he's disqualified from seeking future office. And I think that, no, so we, that you know, whatever the president has done, you can look at his accomplishments, yes. and there are many. You can look at his shortfalls, and there are many. I think the Democrats yeah. want to erase him and his accomplishments from the collective minds of, of, of Americans and the world so that he's lost in, in his accomplishments will be lost when they are set up against what would be the narrative in the history books, you know, impe impeached twice, convicted once, and he can never hold federal office. Once you get done with that is your opening shot. No one's going to drill down to see what he did from a policy perspective, which was successful. Right. Yep. And Tim, what about, um, could he still possibly face charges in uh, local charges in, in D.C.? Well, there's still potential charges, um, not, not for any of his, well, I, you mean for his role in this insurrection? Yeah, yeah like if they want to charge him saying he incited a riot. Anyone can be charged for anything, but I think that the, um, right. the uh, U.S. attorney for the district has already said he sees that uh, possibility as extremely unlikely. And I, I would agree. Okay. I don't think anything the president did can be seen to foment insurrection or to foment okay. you know, a riot. I, I think that that's... Yep. A it's a convenient political c conclusion for those who want to um, um, destroy the president's reputation, but I don't think legally the facts would support any prosecution for his role in that event. And, and just one final question. Do we, and maybe we don't know, but let's just say there is going to be a Senate trial uh, on President Trump. Does he have to pay for his attorneys? Does the government pay for his attorneys? Does he can he tap into that? He still raised uh, I forget how much money it was uh, in the aftermath. So but who who's on the hook for for all I, I must confess, I do not know. I really I don't, don't know, know okay. who would bear yeah. the brunt of that expense. Um, I, I, wow. I know Rudy Giuliani has <laughs> said he can't because he's a right, and he says I won't be part of the team. Right. Um yeah. I think that's a good thing for the president that Rudy wouldn't be yeah. part of the team yeah. at this juncture. But I, I really don't yeah. know the answer to that. While he was a sitting president, I think that he would have access to his counsel. Um, right. If I had to guess, I would think that he'd be hiring his own attorney at his own expense. Wow. And, you know, okay. defending just like you would defend if you were the defendant in a criminal case in a courtroom. And if he hires a good okay. set of attorneys, um, you don't know what the outcome is going to be because the rules of evidence don't apply. They've got these artificial things that you can only speak for five minutes and your answers can only be so long. It, you don't get the same yep. ability to air out all the facts of an allegation in, in this artificial Senate trial scenario in the same way you could explore all the facts if this was a real criminal case in a real courtroom. Yeah. Uh, Congressman David Cicilline has been named one of the impeachment managers, should or when it happens. And Tim Dodd, it'd be very interesting to see if we see uh, Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell come strolling into well, the courtroom. Well, you know, they, they, Donald, <laughs> Senate Chamber, Donald Trump say. should buy the Mitra a, a ticket to take a trip around the world yeah. for the next few years because they certainly did nothing to help the president. And, you know, they, they are no. attorneys with very, prior to this, um, pretty good reputations for success. And I'm yeah. sure as they're telling the president who would like to think he could hang on and flip the thing, if he was listening to right. these two, um, oh boy, you listen to your attorneys, I guess, and he listened to them yeah. and thought that they were going to deliver yeah. the goods and they didn't deliver anything. Um, no. they did not serve him well. They, they, I think he wanted to believe that he could flip this thing, but I think that those two 
as well as Rudy, really led him down the garden path. If they had said, listen, this is all yeah. a pipe dream, I think the president <clears throat> would have behaved yep. much differently post-election than what he did, in fact, do, which I think has gone a long way, looking in the rearview mirror, to really sully his, his reputation and his legacy. Yeah, I like the analogy of it's kind of like someone is told they, they you know, have terminal, what have you, illness, and they just have a short period of time to live in. A lot of people then seek out all these different types of doctors and they travel all over the world trying these different things. And a lot of this stuff doesn't pan out. But when you're in that mindset and you find someone that says, yeah, I can treat you, you people go to people like that. And and one thing we heard was Giuliani and Linwood and Sidney Powell kept telling him, oh, no, we can we can flip this thing for you. The Tim Dodd also, I, I believe uh, the, the three of them, or at least Linwood, Sidney Powell, they're going to have their own problems i believe with dominion but let's touch on the the the, all over the country uh people that were inside the capitol have been getting arrested in and especially that man in virginia the the charges are far more than just like federal you know uh uh, if you were trespassing like in a federal building far more serious yes and we talked about i believe last week just the rioters who were rioting all summer and burning buildings and destroying police vehicles and stealing um, hundreds of thousands of dollars of high-end merchandise from retailers. Well, they were blowing off steam. They were protesters, and they've got a legitimate um, complaint. Um, And they do have a legitimate complaint, but not so legitimate as to, you know, attack cops you know, try to burn down courthouses, burn police vehicles and other other people's property and other people's businesses. But they got away with it and they saw that the system was really not going to do much um, to do more than much more than slap them on the wrist. I think that federally and state by state, um, to the extent that there is an appetite to um, um, follow now these progressive liberal Democrat agenda, the full force of the justice system is going to be brought to bear on whoever they can find that was a participant in this event at the Capitol um, to send a message loud and clear that if anyone else tries anything similar, um, the same result is going to occur. I don't think they're going to be given a pass. I don't think they're going to be given a slap on the wrist. I think they're going to be fully and zealously prosecuted because the agenda, let's presume for the sake of optics that they are all seen as Trump supporters. Then, you know, there's large parts of the federal governmental system that didn't like Trump or what he stood for. And they're going to want to squelch, his supporters from speaking out and squelch any further demonstrations of this type occurring. Um, So the folks that went in there, I think are in for much more than they ever bargained for. And just like Aaron Weissman here locally said, if you went in and you're part of it, we're going to get you, we're going to prosecute you. You've got, we saw the most recently a couple of the folks that just got arrested. It's because I believe it was family members ratted, ratted them out yes. to the feds and said these people were part of it and this is what they did. Um, you never saw anything like that during the summer riots, but this is a no. much different scenario in the politics of it, which are behind the, the appetite to prosecute is much different. There's much more of an appetite to prosecute these folks who are seen coming from the right or being Trump supporters, and there was no appetite to go after the people from the left. Mm. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508 336 2110 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 
24-hour mobile service serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110. 24-hour mobile service and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401 401- 272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know. You could de- be dealing with a drunk driver, someone not paying attention. How about the people texting and driving? If you ever damage your vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. Several reasons. One, they'll handle everything for you. Two, they're going to work for you not the insurance company. And three, they'll make your car. It'll look like it just rolled out of the showroom. West Fountain Auto Body. Call them 401-272-3340. Did someone damage your vehicle? Whether it's a small fender bender or nearly total vehicle, West Fountain will restore your vehicle, get it back on the road. Call them today, 401-272-3340. And remember, if you're having an accident, first thing you want to do, call the police a lot of police report if the tow truck shows up tell them let's get this vehicle over to west fountain 401-272-3340 we're speaking with our legal expert attorney tim dodd tim there was the bizarre story of this man who allegedly murdered this couple in lincoln he was uh sent to the aci and now the story's gotten even a little stranger because it was first reported that uh, apparently took his own life. They're saying he just, they thought he did it with the mask that they gave him, I'm sure because of COVID. But now we are finding more details coming out about this case. Yes, it's it's funny. The first report that you get is typically not the whole story. One of the um, ACI guards who was in charge of um, overseeing this gentleman has been placed on administrative leave while they do a further investigation. Apparently, this guy, and we don't really know much about him, but at his arraignment, um, when he was held without bail, he was complaining to the judge who ordered him held without bail, Judge, I need my medications. Um, I've got some of them, but I need my clonopin. Clonopin, I guess, is an antipsychotic drug um, that he had been on for a considerable period of time. So if he did not have access to his antipsychotic medication at the ACI, that could be a problem. Apparently, he was also on um, anti-seizure medication. Now, the question will become, did he have the correct drugs that he had a prescription for while he was at the intake service center? The... um, the spokesman for the prison guards has said that they were aware that this guy had issues, that he was in a specific area of intake for new um, arrivals, but not just new arrivals, but new arrivals who they had to pay extra attention to. Um, and he clearly fell within that category for the potential for psychotic episodes, if you will, seizure episodes and other medical issues. And when an inmate is in that section of intake service center, they're supposed to be checked by the guards. I believe it's every 10 minutes or so. So the question is, was that protocol being followed? Was this guy being checked as frequently as he was supposed to be checked? 
What was the extent of the knowledge of the prison guards? What had they been told about this guy's medical conditions? Um, did he have the correct meds available to him? Um, so if the answer to any of those things is not the right answer, if they weren't checking on him as frequently as they should have, if they didn't give his medication at the times and in the amounts that they should have, then, you know, the, the ACI could be looking at a, a wrongful death lawsuit by this gentleman's family, because if he wasn't handled correctly inside the prison, there could be big problems. And, you know, when you're in a cell, you lose all control over your, what you can and can't do. Hmm. So it sounds a, not like Jeffrey Epstein in a pure sense, but one of the criticisms with Epstein was they weren't checking in on him as frequently as they were supposed to. Yeah. And it sounds like that might be the same thing that happened with this gentleman who was a known risk, a known um, medical problem. And um, if he was not observed appropriately, there's going to be a price to pay. Wow. Uh, and Tim, also, finally, <clears throat> let's just touch on the... Um story about this guy that the New York Mets, uh, they had hired to be the general manager. And what's interesting about it is some uh, ESPN then released a story of this was a reporter that he met. He was working for the Cubs and he meets this reporter and they start exchanging business cards. And he starts sending her some texts and it's getting more and more aggressive. She's not responding. And then he sends some very, very inappropriate photos. Now, what's interesting was the she was then in touch with someone from the Cubs but for whatever reason, nothing is done. She then gets quiet. She's not even living in America anymore, I don't believe. But as he's now going to be at the pinnacle of his career and the general manager of the New York Mets, a powerhouse you know, New York team, she comes forward, releases a story to ESPN, and, and they, they fire this guy. Now, it, it was wildly inappropriate, and he was contacting her, really almost it reached an embarrassing point without consent, but... But what it's interesting is it's not like they work together. This would, I think, in some ways, um, it, it could have just been they happen to be in the same business. But it, it would almost be like doing this if you just met someone, you know, randomly, whatever, at the supermarket or in a bar or something like that. But are there any potential legal consequences for this now former general manager of the New York Mets? There are potential criminal legal issues for him. It, it's a very odd. Odd story, John. <clears throat> Excuse me. This guy met the woman on an elevator. Yeah. They had a brief discussion. They exchanged business cards. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then he starts contacting her more and more. Let's have drinks. Let's get together. Let's do something. She's not responding to him. Why aren't you responding? Why aren't you responding? Why aren't you responding? I believe in one day he texted her over 60 times. Mm. Now, that could, in Rhode Island, that type of conduct could be charged criminally as um, electronic harassment or electronic stalking, not so much that it was stalking, but there are crimes that are on the books that if you use an electronic device like a smartphone to harass somebody, call me, call me, call me, call me, call me, like over and over and over again, or to spy on them, or to otherwise, you know, interfere with their quiet enjoyment, you can be charged with a crime. Now, this conduct apparently happened in 2016 uh, in the jurisdiction where it all occurred. I don't know if the statute of limitations would have run for anything criminal. This woman apparently did have a, a complaint for money damages, and she recently received an award of funds. It just, um, it's difficult to imagine, John, how this guy could have gotten so far, um, at least with the Mets in their vetting process. You know, anyone who's up for an important job gets vetted pretty carefully, just like any incoming president is going to vet the potential folks that would um, uh, populate his cabinet just like they would have vetted Gina Raimondo or anyone else who was even under consideration to make sure they don't have any skeletons in their closet, which would cause embarrassment to the administration. So this guy 
was the GM for the Cubs. Then he's the GM for, I believe, Arizona. And now he's up for a big job with the Mets. How they missed this, it's, it's hard to imagine how they would have missed it. Maybe they just assumed, well, since he's worked for the Cubs and for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, he must be clean. They hired him. But if they were going on a presumption, well, if he had any skeletons, they would have caught it. Then that was the wrong way to approach it. It would seem to me it's a fair question to say, have you ever been the, the subject of a complaint regarding sexual harassment or any other <coughs> in, improper type of conduct of, of this type? Or did this just fall through the cracks? It's hard to believe that they just missed it. Mm. It's very hard to believe. And once it came to light, you know, certainly the, the owners of the Mets had to say, we've got a zero tolerance policy, you're fired. Mm. Um, and now this guy will likely never work in baseball again. Um, you know, his reputation is uh, besmirched beyond, I think, any ability to rehabilitate himself. And John, it's, we've said many times in our discussions uh, for your listening audience, be very careful what you choose to put in writing. Sure. People, people text in anger. People text things they shouldn't. They think no one's ever going to see it. No one's ever going to look at it. But as we've seen from many, many cases, what you text, what you tweet, what you email years ago can come back to bite you. Yep. Um, recently, we had Chris Tucker, who years ago um, either text or emailed what were clearly insensitive, inappropriate um, comments, I believe, about um, um, homosexual population. Now, at the time, he probably thought it was funny. And at certain times, certain things which the public thought was funny are no longer acceptable as humor. Oh. Um our, our sensibilities change over time, but he did put things in writing, which were seen as very insensitive, very inappropriate. And he was asked after he was asked to do so, asked to not um, host the Academy Awards. Yeah, that was a big embarrassment for him. Mm. And I'm sure when he wrote this stuff years ago, he never dreamed that it was going to come back to bite him years and years later. Um, and in this sort of a cancel culture that we're in, um, people are scouring people that they don't like, their political enemies, their professional enemies, scouring everything that's out there in the social media world, looking for something that they can use to blow the other side up. Um, Sheldon Whitehouse went so far as to looking at Brett Kavanaugh's high school yearbook, looking right. for dirt and words that he could twist to show some nefarious mindset on, on the part of an 18-year-old Brett Kavanaugh. Um, so to those people out there listening, and I, in many cases, I've seen things in divorce cases and all kinds of cases where people are putting things in writing that they're just not thinking are going to see the light of day. And when they do, it's always a problem. So when you can avoid putting stuff in writing, you should avoid it because um, it, many times it ends very badly. Um, and if you're going to put it in writing, you should do so with the assumption that it's going to be seen by the world someday. Folks, he's our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, great job. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John.